Welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. And today we've got a very special guest, British superstar long jumper Jasmine Sawyers. Uh, today we talked about uh, her training, her training group with coach Lance Brownman out in Florida. Uh, we talked about her lifestyle, we talked about her barnet. Her, her haircuts, yeah. Um, we talked about British bobsleigh, which not many people know that Jasmine first really started out in that. And obviously her success on The Voice and being chosen by Will I Am. Rooney now kicks away. Commonwealth champion for discus down. Rooney gets the goal. Medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. Hey, Jazz. How's it going? It's going pretty well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the Elite Athlete Centre Lounge. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's quite a nice place to record, isn't it? And just hang out and look at the track. Well, we're not allowed in here most of the time, so it feels like quite a a luxury to actually be in here. So I feel very special right now. (laughs) You've got your big brother chair. <laughs> Feels very important. Like the diary this is room. It. You are the most important person in this room right now. Oh no pressure. Like, this is why you have the, the question time chair. That's yeah. what you should be used to. It's not like mastermind, don't worry. Yeah, I haven't or, prepared a subject. Uh, <laughs> or is it? So, Jazz, um, we know you as this bubbly character. Comes down the track, comes back from warm, warm, warmer climates. That is Stoke. <laughs> and uh, brightens up our day. Um, That's very nice. Well, yeah, it's true. It's great. It's great to have you back. Bubbly character. That's what we like. What has made? What's the best bit about being an athlete to you? I think it's that I get to pour everything into this thing because I'd be doing it anyway. And I think a lot of athletes are have to do uh, a full time job alongside training. Whereas this is the one thing that I want to do. This is what I want to be doing. I want to be going to training, running around, jumping in sand. That's my job. I think the fact that I get to pour all my energy, if I ever need to prioritize, I get to prioritize this. Um, And I think for a lot of people, that's not the case. Not everybody's lucky enough to be able to do that um, with the one thing that they care about the most. Um, So I kind of, I could easily turn around, oh, travel, I get to sort of travel the world. But you guys know, you do but you also really don't oh an airport Ooh, i an could airport. give you rundowns of all the airports that i've been to in the world some of them are really good some of them are less good favorite airport oslo <laughs> yeah beautiful it's just the beautiful. wooden roof and yeah, stuff. yeah. walk around airport. art worst airport was probably one i was in in latvia oh, i've never been oh, to latvia no. Riga, well wouldn't or? recommend the airports okay <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell you much about Latvia. Yeah, but. Could we just apologise to the uh, Latvian tourist board right now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Latvia itself, yeah, sure, it's lovely. Um, maybe work on the uh, the airport. And the airport, your front door. Yeah, um, front. So you do something that you love. That's like a blessing that we have, like within this sport. Like the three of us do something that we all love. It's something that you can bring passion to. You, you don't have to force it. You know, at times when it's not going so well, you've have an, uh, you've got an injury or you've got you're in a bit of a rut with training or performing. What's the thing that you keep thinking about? What's the thing that brings you back to Jasmine Bubbly? I'm going out there to do the best that I can do. So I have to draw on two things. And I think this is an argument that a lot of athletes have, among, not argument, um, but whether we draw on the wins or the losses. Um, and I have to take from both. I think I find it more motivating to think about not wanting to lose 
then I do think about wanting to win because I feel like the pain of losing is worse than the glory of winning. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so It's what gets you out of bed in the morning, isn't it? Well, like, exactly. It's, you kind of, the fear. The fear. <laughs> it's, um, I make myself, when I've had a bad competition, I make myself really feel it. And I think, remember this because you hate it so much and you don't want it again. And that when I'm, you know, injured or just having a bad time in general, you go, you, you got to push through it because otherwise that's going to happen again. And I felt it enough times to know how much I hate it. Even as a little kid, that's what drove me. I hated losing more than anything, way more than I liked winning. Um, winning is a byproduct, really, of not losing, which <laughs> is yeah, great. Exactly. Yeah, and like with that, how like how do you manage like emotions and do you like use like mental positive reinforcement and all the time? You know, like so now currently you just came back from a little injury. How how have you gone about? a quick quite a miraculous turnaround that we've seen to get back jumping and like do you go back to like one of the, like, the best jumps you've ever done and you watch videos of it to motivate yourself like i look at throws and think oh you know that was when I, I could i can still feel it today like releasing the discus and stuff do you do the same like yeah definitely visualization yeah. for me is absolutely massive like i do loads of it i've gone right you can't jump for a couple of weeks you know that so you're gonna have to do all your jump training in your head um, and so I'll do, I'll set a time, set aside some time in the day to actually go over the same amount of jumps that I would in a training session. And same as you, I go back and look at my PB jumps over and over and over. Um, but in terms of like, actually managing emotions around it, being injured and being out and not being able to do the things you want to do. Um, it's a trick I took from Ash Bryant when he was team captain for a, a team where he talked about how in a decathlon, if he's had a bad event, he'll give himself a set amount of time to be miserable about it and then say, no, you have to move on. Um, and so I kind of did that. I was like, right, you can really wallow for a couple of days. I gave myself the weekend. Time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just really feel it. Like get miserable, moan about it, do whatever you want, but then you're done. Um, and I find that really helps because it, it, instead of constantly trying to push away the negative feelings, you go, no, let me feel it because I'm going to have to, because it's there. I can't act like it isn't there. If I give myself time to really soak it in and, and wallow, then I find it easier to come back and be positive afterwards. It's good to, for listeners to know how much this, this sport, this hobby that we do means to us. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't think people always realize like, yeah. like this is our, yeah, it's our job, and, but it's something that we love and it's something that we're passionate about. So when it does go wrong, like how much it hits you. Like if you go to the championships and you say you, you finish fourth or something. It's so hard to explain to people when you, especially when people don't have any context around that. And they go, wow. So last year I finished fourth in, at the Europeans. So wow, fourth in Europe. Like, that's amazing. And I'm like, ooh, I hate it. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, it's crushing. It can Sorry be. To bring that. No, no, that's all right. That's all right. Just, it's cool. I use that all the time. You know, that, that fourth place, that not a medal feeling. Um, that comes into training all the time. Um, but it, it is hard to explain. And yes, I think everyone's got something that they're, they're that they're focusing on in life. But I feel like with sport, it it's all consuming or it can become all consuming if you have nothing else going on, which is probably something I want to talk about a little bit. But um, it's quite difficult to convey to somebody who hasn't been, I think, at this level in sport, how it takes over everything in your life and how it takes over everything in your head and even though really it's just jumping in sand a little a few more centimeters more than the other ladies um it means absolutely everything and it feels like the end of the world if you don't do it do you have help like with management ma managing your time sir 
you know, with agents and races and appearances and everything else? Um, so I've got a competition agent and a commercial agent. Some people have that combined. I have it separate. And me and my commercial agent share a calendar. Um, so I actually have pretty much full control over when I do what, but he's always aware um, where I'm going to be, when I'm free. Um, I arrange a lot of the stuff myself because I do like having control of it. I like to kind of choose where I spend my time. Um, and then I also have to block out sort of red zones near competition because I find it very easy to sort of veer off path and just enjoy doing other things and take my mind completely off athletics. But I, I know that there's a time of year where that has to stop. Like, How do you find that balance between being an elite athlete and a, an aspiring singer? Well, this sort of really ties well into talking about how athletics and sport can become all-consuming if you let it. Um, and it can be a really positive thing if, you, if you're if you sort of one focus. Um, but I find it can be overwhelming just to have one thing. So for me, having music as a hobby, a side project, something that I'm hoping can turn into a sort of maybe side career when I'm finished um, actually works as a really positive thing for me. And I think because it's so different to sport, music is just, you know, the sort of, creativity side of things ultimately it's a performance which becomes very similar and when you boil sport down to it sport is entertainment for people to watch so is exactly come to watch a performance and you've got to give your best one the same in singing yeah um but it, it feels like a totally different angle to come from i'm not it's not science i'm not trying to make sure that everything is bang on exactly the same each time. I'm not practicing the exact same thing. It's much more creative. I can I can choose whether to add this in or that. And, you know, with music, what I love is when you write a song, you create something that didn't wouldn't have existed except for coming out of your own head. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't get that same feeling from sport. And when somebody yeah. enjoys something that you know only exists because you put it into the world, that's... That's yeah, amazing. It's, it's, that, it's that niche creativity element. Um, Definitely. Scary though. It's uh... So that was my, like, my, <laughs> I, that was a great leading kind of question is like, what differences, obviously say, let's say round one Olympic, Olympic games in Rio, nerves there versus walking out on stage at The Voice, having to get four judges to turn around. I was way more nervous for The Voice. Really? Way more. Because... Everyone in that audience gets to decide what they think. In in a stadium full of however many thousand people watching me long jump, if I jump further than everyone else, no one gets to argue with that. I won. And no one can say, well, I don't think she was that good. Well, there it is in black and white on the page. They measured it. I beat everybody. With the music, if I have the best performance of my life, in my opinion, I've played every single song that I've poured my heart into. I love the songs. I thought it went amazingly. Every person in that room could say, I hated it. It was terrible. There could be dead silence. No one applauds because they don't like it. And people get to decide whether they like it or not, where it's, it's so different. Exactly, completely subjective, whereas sport, and especially our sport, is so objective. You can't get more objective. Times, distances, it's it's there on the page. And is Will I Am as cool as he uh, proceeds? <laughs> He's extremely <laughs> cool. I mean, everything at The Voice is fake as you would expect. Really? <laughs> Are you yeah, shocked? Like first bit of gossip. <laughs> Are you shocked? <laughs> Just things like, um, by the time you go to your blind audition, you've already had three or four weeks of vocal coaching from their vocal coaches. They choose the song that you sing. When you see us backstage looking nervous before, that was two weeks before in a different building on a fake set. 
they blow smoke out. You go, can you look nervous? And then they take your clothes off you so that you look the exact same when you go for your audition two weeks later. <laughs> oh my God. To that, to that level, I didn't realize there was like yeah. coaching beforehand and stuff. I suppose. Yeah, so that's like the third or fourth audition that you've so gone to. It's about the awful singers. How do they get through? On The yeah. Voice, if you notice, they don't tend to have awful, awful singers get through to the blind auditions on The Voice. Not terrible ones. Yeah, ones that are maybe not going to get a, a reaction from the judges and then ones that are going to get like four. Yeah. Yeah, they just want the drama. And, you know, I'm pretty sure the judges know who they're supposed to turn for and who they're not supposed to turn for. Yeah, there's going to be like a a set, like you need to have this t this person is coming up soon. Uh, we need you three to turn around. Is that is that how it's set up? Is I think like so. Well, they gave me a song that was a mashup between a song that I had chosen for an earlier audition and a song by Will I Am's favorite band. So of course it was for him. Oh, okay. So I think they had every intention of him turning around for that. They were like, we want you to to turn for her. Wait, 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 wait. Last minute. Boom. It was a last minute job. But to me, it felt very real because yeah. they don't, they don't tell me any of that. Um, it wasn't until afterwards that I discovered, oh, this band, Will I Am loves this band. And it was a, he turned at the last note of the song um, and he was the only one that turned. So it was mega exciting for me. Um, I, you know, I'll never really know. Did he turn because he thought my voice was good or because he was told to turn? I don't know. It was great I mean, for me though. Definitely turned because your voice was good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, I, I loved it. I loved watching it. It was, it was wicked. Was it was like, really fun. It. Really, really fun. It was fun. really interesting to know like the juicy behind the scenes bit. <laughs> I feel like it's been a few years now. They make you sign some stuff at the time, but they're not listening. Well, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe. Maybe they're like avid fans. How's being on The Voice? Has it opened you up to? Has it opened up more opportunities to you away from the sport, um, but also like within the sport? It's been mostly within the sport because I've formed myself a little niche where I am the singing athlete, and there's not that many of us that do that that kind of combine music and sport. And so generally now, if there's a question of music and sport that comes up, I get the call, which has worked out really nicely for me. So it's kind of, it's not really just been out and out singing gigs because there's so many singers, but there aren't that many singers that also are Olympic athlete. So anytime that there's this crossover. So for example, the Commonwealth Games last year, I sang the anthem for England um, that was uh, released as a single. And I got that call because it was like, well, you're going to be on the team and people know that you're a singer now. So it kind of, it gels together nicely. And similarly, I've sang at um, opening for events that are sports events, but oh, hey, we'll get one of the athletes to open it in a musical way. So BBC we've got sports entertainment, BBC yeah. Sports Personality, exactly. So it kind of, I've found myself a little niche in music and sport, which, you know, it's, it seems like a very small niche, but every time it comes up, because there's, there's not really many other people doing it, um, I'm tending to worm my way in there, which is, is nice. You're going to do a, co a collab with your training partner. He's going to rap. Bugging him for it. Noah is on it with the music, with the rapping, and he's got a little setup yeah, in his house. Noah Lyles, Noah Lyles yeah. yeah. So he raps. He's just released a song with Sandy Morris. Um, for Zurich, because Zurich Dynamic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think a Swiss band. Okay. Um, which I think it's doing quite. It's doing the rounds on Spotify playlists at the moment. All right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're doing nice. quite well with it. Um, God, I didn't get that call, but you know. I like seeing athletes do other things because as much as, yes, we do need to be focused on this, we this won't last forever. Um, and I think it reminds people that athletes are people with interests. Um, and I, I've had some criticism about the amount of music that I've done. Yeah, because people say, well, you're not focused on your athletics and you're doing other things. And I think, well, look, other athletes are doing other things. It's just not public. Everybody's not at the track 24 hours a day. 
People do other things, you know. Uh, whoa, 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 yes, we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Because we have of, beds. Uh, <laughs> elite funding from la- the National Lottery. You have to drag <laughs> us away. <laughs> Everybody has interests. It's just that the, my other interest is also a very public one. So it looks like I'm, you know, wasting all this time. No, it's public because you're good at it. But then people are good at things. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of my training partners just love video games so much. And I'm sure they're very good at them. But it's just not you're not seeing them play video games for four hours a day, whereas you are seeing me on stage. No, I just think, I think you're good at singing. It's kind of like, okay, that's why you're at that level. Well, Maybe they're just not that good at computer games. Maybe they're just telling you that they're good. We really play video games, but we are rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) And we are not. We're as committed to that though. Yeah, (laughs) You can ask our wives. It's kind of like... We are elite slash not elite PUBG players. (laughs) Like you say, it's really important. I think it's really important as well, like, because because it's a public funded sport that we do, I think it's great that the public get to see you with an interest and something completely different from sport. Like I wish I was ta- as talented as you at something like even like playing guitar. And I picked it up and put it back down again as quick. Um, but I think I think like the public they shouldn't sleep someone for having like an enthusiastic, you know, a enthusiastic hobby. Somebody who's having a go at something. You literally oh, yeah. people be want to be upset about oh, things. No, you're not breathing the right way. You should be doing less of this or more of that. Like, it's not something to worry about. At the end of the day, you're performing well in both. So it's kind of like... Yeah, I think that's doing. it. As long as the performances are good and everyone's happy. My coach likes me doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm out in Florida, so um, half the year, I'm in Claremont uh, with the group out there. And when I'm there, my coach is always saying, have you got a gig? You know, have you been out playing recently? He likes it. I think he sees the benefit to my training when I'm happy outside of training. Yeah, how that's well led. Thank you very much. No worries. Don't. Have- so now you are a US-based athlete. That is correct. Uh, sunny Stoke to Sunny Claremont. How's that? How's uh, the transition been? Really hard. I expected Florida to just be England with sun, and I don't know why I expected that. No one's ever really led me to believe that it's going to be like that but in my head I just sort of thought I'm not really going abroad I'm just getting some sun uh it's extremely different for the first year I found it almost unbearably hard didn't have a car um because I couldn't afford it because the rent we were paying we had to pay for the whole year even though I was only there for about four months just the way that worked and without a car in Florida you can't do anything you're completely stuck you're isolated I mean I luckily lived next door to Walmart so I'd walk to, to get my supermarket food and would get a lift to training. And that was it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to training in the morning, come back and sit in the flat until training the next day. Almost scratching the walls, aren't you? Yeah. That, that kind of, that kind of yeah, completely. Um, and I don't know that maybe for some people it suits them and they are happy to come home and think about training or just, you know, play video games or, or something in, in the house. Um, but I was really unhappy and really lonely I found I found it hard in that sense in that it's everything spread out and you're quite isolated but hard to make friends out there as well and I'm very very sociable um not to the point of like you know going out at night but I just like to be with my friends and be with people and be around people exactly um and I found it really really difficult to make friends over there I, I, I still find it hard this year's been better I've got a car so I can kind of go a little bit further my 
in video game terms, my map's expanded. I can. <laughs> you bought the expansion pack. Yes, the expansion <laughs> yeah, packs. Exactly. Wow, you have been around gamers a lot. <laughs> you? Oh yeah. Um, so I can get out and and do things, but I've still found it really hard to make friends. So coming back is so good for me. I, that sort of loneliness that I feel out there is is gone when I'm back, which is nice. Okay. So a lot of athletes, the British athletes, have gone out to the states and they've had great success. Um, you've kind of like you said, you found your first, first year hard. How do you feel like you've progressed as an athlete this year? Like I, I remember seeing you go out there and I, I said to you last year, I said you've become a specimen. Like, and it was like the transition physically was incredible to see. Yeah. And that's, I think, why I knew I had to go back um, because it worked. I improved on my PB by 11 centimetres last year. Um, the start of the year was awful. My indoor season was so bad and I was starting to think, well, I'm out there. I'm not even enjoying it and I'm not even improving. And I just needed to be patient with it and to trust that Lance knew what he was doing. Does Lance care about indoors? It, Lance, I think, would scrap indoors mm. as a concept if we gave him the choice. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't strike me as someone... He didn't. He doesn't train us for it. So none of my training was geared towards me being ready for indoors. And it was the same this year. I was no good indoors. I was terrible. Um, I still wanted to do it. And he said, yeah, all right best of luck <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go well how you go. <laughs> yeah exactly um but no his he cares about the olympics and the world championships um and so that's what he prepares us for and that's what his training is set up to prepare us for and i'm now i now understand that i'm now used to that i now expect that i will be ready for those things um and less ready for things like indoors and that's that's okay it's quite hard to buy into that philosophy as start well. with yeah because i want to compete at every opportunity you know i'm in the sport to compete i love it i want to do indoors i want to get every vest i can um i just want to get out on the runway and jump but lance is very much his philosophy is we care about winning medals at the olympics and at the world championships and so that's what we're training for and i think being around a group with that mindset has been a big shift for me as well where Okay, one, we're expecting, no one's getting congratulated for making the team. No one's getting congratulated for making the final. You might get a thumbs up if you win a medal and you get a proper nod if you win gold. <laughs> Maybe even like a high five. Maybe, Maybe like even a, a high five. A handshake. <laughs> this is, excellence is expected in that group. Mm -hmm. um, and for years I've trained either on my own or with one other person before joining that group. And so it's been a massive change for me, but I think a really positive one because you're just expected to do well. You know, I was the slowest, am the slowest in that group in terms of 100 meter times or just general training by a long way. You know, almost everybody, all the women can run sub 11. I'm pretty sure Sean A could, could have nearly beat me the other day, a couple of weeks back. <laughs> Sean A did some long jump a couple of years ago and I was like, can you not? <laughs> Please, leave it to us. But you kind of, because everyone else is running fast in training, you just go, well, this is the time I have to hit. So I guess I'll do it. And I think that's why I came back last year in such different shape and, and training so much better because you just have to. Um, there's no choice. That's the session. Everyone else is doing it and you, I feel like an idiot if I don't. So I just get on with it. It just like naturally should rub off on you. Well, you've got to put the hard graft in, but like you say, being around people that are positive, fast, you're like, well, if they're doing it, I can do it. Yeah. It just like, it's like this place, like so many people come and generally their performance is elevated marginally because they see like, it's great having you here in Liverpool now and then you've got Dai and that, the natural elite, eliteness of the place just should just make you motivated to train. I don't want to say Loughborough's on the same level as what they've got at Claremont. Like no. It's like Olympic and world champions everywhere. I think what you're saying, I definitely agree with Loughborough. 
uh, for me, when I came up here as an 18 year old, I was like, wow, there's people going to G making GB teams all the time. There's people making finals and stuff. And then that's brilliant for a while, but then you need to get to the next level. And to the yeah. next level, you have to go, maybe you have to go to Claremont. I, I had Rayner and he came to Loughborough and he brought his Olympic medalist with him. Yeah. So I was very lucky in that sense. I think when coming here is definitely one level where you kind of go, okay, it's expected that I'm going to perform and train at an elite level. And there's no, there's nothing exciting or special about that in a place like this. You just do it. And so you kind of adapt to it because you feel like, well, that's how it's done here. And then in Claremont, I feel like there is that extra level where, oh, what's expected and normal and natural here is to perform at a world beating level. And so you sort of, you know, at the Europeans last year in my group, I came fourth. I did, I did well. It was, it was a good result. I competed really well. And I still was the only one in my group there that didn't win a medal. So I did the worst out of my group. And that's kind of, you know, the expectations are high. And so I didn't turn around and go, woo, fourth place. I was like, oh, wow, I did the worst. That's so refreshing though. <laughs> like so many, like we've had a history of British athletes and British coaches who'd be like, like I was guilty of it as a kid. Like I made an Olympic final. I just came sixth. I was, it was celebrated that I came sixth. And I was like, at the time I was pissed because I was like, I saw Natasha Danvers with a bronze medal as I was doing my first interview. I was like, this is great. Uh, that could have been, I was close to it, but not close enough. So for you to go to an American group and to realize, right, fourth place is great, but it's not where I want to be. It's, like it's not said, what's expected of me. It's either. not what's expect, expected. Like a bronze medal would have been amazing, but like your coach would probably go, well, actually, no, your coach would be, really, he's a realistic man. He's not yeah. someone who'd just be like, oh, that's not good enough. He's no, like, he would be pleased with that. Mm. But I think the program is set up for people to win. And he wants everybody, obviously everybody can't win because in the group there's a lot of people doing the same event. But I think he'll look across and go, I want the medalist to be from my group. I want, I'm training you guys to beat everybody else. Does he have that attitude of it's us against them? No, actually. Does he not? No, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't come okay. across like that. And we do get, we get team meetings every week. Um, yeah, I've seen that. Which mm -hmm. I love it. I've never experienced that before. Um, every Wednesday we sit down and have a team meeting and um, either something that's been bothering Lance in the week will come up or he'll give us kind of a, a real motivational push, especially as the season's coming around. And um, I've never had that from a group. And I, I find that to be, especially when the training is so hard, to be a real boost midweek to get everybody together and, and just talk about what we're doing and why we're doing it basically puts you all on the same plan doesn't it like yeah. we're all here for the same reason exactly. we're all here to do well does, does Lance have um a team around him of like assistant coaches and does he work with psychologists or physios or so we've got three four assistant coaches um we have a nutritionist we don't have a group psychologist but different um, athletes see some of the same people um we've got some therapists some that come trackside and some that athletes go out to see so there's kind of a team a pure athletics team that's the name of our group pure athletics and we've even got oh yeah we've got i made the group pins <laughs> because i wanted to i wanted us to all feel part of a team because i'm the only jumper mm -hmm. you see so i kind of sometimes i feel a little bit left out because they're all sprinters and they're all talks about when you're all next racing and i think i'm not racing so i, <laughs> I wanted to feel part of it so I'm racing us, into a pit guys exactly. <laughs> i made us all little pin badges so that when we go away we can represent together I see. Cool. are you gonna sprint i really want to um lance said no this year but i think he'll let me know maybe i'm not quite fast enough and he doesn't want his name next to her <laughs> <laughs> my my pv is i think something nine it's about 12 7 okay so i don't think unless i'm ready to run like mid 11s i don't think he wants me out there doing it i don't know if that's true i've made that up I, that's me hypothesizing but i would love to do some sprinting because i i'm running against them all in training yeah. Um, and racing is fun. 
racing is fun and being on the start line next to someone and being like close to touching their hand and you can really mess with people there like um do you think maybe an indoor 60 that i think would be perfect i think that'd be better but also i don't think he'll let us do indoors next year so yes in china the world champ yeah. world champs are quite late as well isn't it yeah and it's such Olympics. a weird timing this year with everything so I, I doubt i'll be able to do any 60s but maybe it'll come around i'd like to because i'm training for it just doing claremont outdoor 60 meters done I have a word. I'm sure they set it up. Yeah. Windy track. Don't worry about it. 1.9. One <laughs> <laughs> 1.9. You've jumped there quite a lot. And, like yeah. competed. Yeah, yeah. But it was windy, like genuinely windy as well. Yeah. Um, I opened up way early this season um, there with, I think, 6.59, which is maybe my best opener. Yeah, it's my best opener ever. Um, so we're on track this year. Just got a little break with um, a training injury. Do you want to talk about that or do you want to leave that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was doing a, doing run-throughs in the in to the pit. Um, my takeoff foot is my right foot. I took off with my right and then ran through, left foot down, right foot down, and just rolled my ankle in the soft bit of sand. Heard a crack. That was nice. Um, and <laughs> have ruptured my ATFL, which is the ligament on the front that you don't need. So not fussed about that. That can go. If it's gone, I can't rupture it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> positive way of thinking well, about it. Right? Just get rid of it, guys. Gone, Don't need it. See ya. And then damage the CFL on the side, which I do need. So I need that to to heal. But it's been um, recovering really fast. I've got to take a little break from composition and from actually jumping, which is why I've been doing so much jumping visualization. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I'm not currently able to compete, which is frustrating, but also gives me the chance to do a training block now, which I wasn't going to have. Um, because when I'm competing, my body doesn't tolerate much training at all. Um, some people keep up with quite a lot of the work, um, whereas my body needs a lot of rest when I'm competing in order to compete well, um, which frustrates me and is counterintuitive in my own head because I'm like, I want to work hard and then I'll do well. Um, but I have to sort of really, really dial it down. So it's nice to not have to do that and to get some work in. You've come from a, like a multi-sport background, haven't you? Yeah, so... Yeah, you're always busy. Exactly. I, I started in heptathlon. I did heptathlon at the World Youth in 2011. Um, and then after that, I did two years of bobsleigh um, while I was still competing in athletics. Real junkie. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's terrifying. Also, I looked on Power of 10 last night and I've seen that you've done a cheeky 220 pole vault as well. <laughs> <laughs> that was... <laughs> it's a little known fact. I was like, hello... <laughs> It was a young athletes league final. We didn't have anybody. So I said, I'd do it. Um, but I am actually, I've been badgering Scott to teach me to pole vault after Tokyo. I think that's a fair, like post Olympics. I can't really, if I hurt myself, then meh, it's three, four years till the next one. Pretty much like a long jump with a, a push. Exactly. Yeah. And I, used to, I started in gymnastics um, in Stoke. Yeah. Burslem gym. Which one? Burslem. I'm pretty sure Kate was at the same one as that. And her Probably. brother, Bruce Dennison. So many people um, went through that gym and it was it was brill. I did, yeah, six years. And then I did two years of sports acro. So the kind of cheerleading without the cheering, you know, with the sort of two or three people throwing someone else in the air. I was the one getting thrown up in the air. Um, and that was when I'd started doing combined events, but like quadrathlons as an under 13. Okay. Um, had to stop because I was running with straight arms, but... Yeah, gymnastics, like pointy (laughs) fingers. But that's, I think that's where all my sort of spring and everything came from. Mm -hmm. It's also why I'm so short, because I mashed up my back doing gymnastics. Of course. Yeah. And they just think it's fine. Just carry on. Just crack on. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Grind down the, uh, your first spray. Don't worry. I think Kate broke her leg and they were like, 
didn't think much of it on the day. And then she came back in on crutches the next day and like, oh yeah, it was a, it was a break. Yeah. Wow. Mind. That's gymnastics life. It is. I don't think, I'm glad in a way that I wasn't good enough for that because it's, um, it's so brutal and it's less, well, I found it less friendly than athletics. As soon as I moved to athletics, I was like, oh, I can have friends. Is that what it's like in general? Because I've, Oh, I've obviously I've only seen a couple of friends that got uh, gymnasts and stuff, but is that what the mentality is like then? Are they quite? I don't know. You start at such a quite young age. There as might well. be something, yeah, about you start when you're so young to do like elite training. It's just brutal, and it turns you into a bit of a brutal person. But then the gymnasts that I know that are on the GV team are lovely. So maybe, maybe it was when just you the group. The other side, and you may get full senior. Yeah, if you actually get mature. through it. Yeah, you survive the training. That, that's, isn't that just an elite sport mentality, though? I think you find that like, the better people in most sports are quite normal. Do you yeah, not find that like, is the true. people who are not reaching the top are kind of knobheads, and the people who like have reached the top are normally the, the decent people that have a chat and have a laugh and whatever. Yeah, I think you're right because I think once you come out of the end, you realise that you're not like special for it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is that. Maybe people that aren't quite. Why? Why? Why is that? Why are people? Yeah, I think you always. You always get one or two people who line up and, you know, got the same kit as the sponsored athletes and stuff, but then go in, just, just aren't able to supply the man, <laughs> full, full kit wankers, is that what you're on about? Yeah, yeah. Who have got all the, all, the, all the gear and no idea. Do, do you not find within your group, like, well, you suppose you've got, I don't know Noah at all, but from all the reports, like, he's meant to be a really nice guy. Yeah. Uh, good laugh, fun to be around. He is fun. So is his brother. So he's got both the, I know his brother. His brother is a lovely guy. Yeah, the uh, Lyle's brothers, they live together and then obviously they train together in the group. And they're great. I think the whole group in general, if you've got an ego about you, it's going to humble you yeah. because there's someone that's done more than you. There's someone that's better than you in the group. Even if it's not, they're not better at, at your event, yeah. they've done more than you. You know, Tyson Gay's in the group. It's true. And you kind of, there's very little... He's a cool guy. He is the coolest guy. Yeah. I love Tyson. I feel like I the group I say I found it hard to make friends out there. I think it's because everybody's of very, very different ages and kind of socializes differently. But I do feel like quite a few of the older ones have really welcomed me in and tried mm. to look after me. And like Tyson has definitely done that. Tyson's uh for me, like he was someone that was never he's not not very vocal in the media and is like someone who was just when you actually got to meet him. It was a completely different persona. He yeah. was just quite cool. Always wanted to have, let's say, hello, how's it going? Um, he'd watch, he'd know how you raced. He'd know how you're doing in competitions and stuff. He's it's quite true. Knowledgeable. And he's got one hell of a beard. Has oh, he still got impressive. the beard? He has still got the beard. And the, two, the couple of chains. That's gangster. <laughs> That's gangster. He's extremely cool. <laughs> yeah. Same walk Aspirational goals. A wave sort of feeling really uncool myself. Hi, Tyson. Morning. <laughs> Good morning. Just give me a nod. I'm like, yes, I got yes. the Tyson nod. <laughs> kind of we made teachers. it. <laughs> Just from the corner of the track. <laughs> Have you saved any turtles? I haven't. I've watched many turtles being saved. For those listening that do not know what's going on, um, David Verberg, who is a 400 meter runner in my group. And yes, the best. Um, he went viral for stopping at an intersection to save a turtle from the road. Um, and he's since set up the Golden Tortoise Foundation. Um, who, wow. yeah, it's amazing. He went on Ellen. Um, who yeah. gave him a grant to set up this foundation. And now he's huge. saving turtles Florida wide. Yeah, I, I, the video itself, I thought it was quite funny when he first did it, but then the, the, like how it went viral, how it became like this passion project for him. And like, he's a lovely bloke. Like he, I've raced against him. He's um, 
someone that I get on with when we race. We have a laugh, yeah. we, we compete and then we have a laugh again. But it's a fantastic mix of people in your group. Oh, it's a huge mix. I know mix. I keep coming I mean, back to your group. But no, no, like, no, but it's, it's a fascinating group. I think yeah. it's a fascinating group. There's about 27 of us, it's massive. So you're gonna have a big mix. But when you have that big of a mix with that much talent and that much success, it just makes for something really, really interesting. You know, we've got a huge range of ages. I think the youngest we have in the group is 19 and the oldest, I mean, is it? 34 maybe, 33 yeah. for Tyson. Yeah. He's a couple of years older than me. So it's a big mix of experience, um, but the kind of consistent is everyone's there. Everyone works extremely hard and everyone is extremely talented, um, which is, it. it's crazy to watch these people train sometimes, you know, it's, it's nice. I'll be doing a jump session and I'll be watching them on one of their hard running days. And you just can't believe that people can do this. Watching Sean A uh, train at kind of top speed is unbelievable. <laughs> scary. I'm, I'm just a huge fan. Like, I, I'm like <laughs> yeah. every time I talk to Lance. Is it silver? It's not so, silver. I think pink, it's pink, silver, pink today. Whatever it's, uh, she's feeling. Yeah, whatever she feels Adams. like. She, ah, she can do what she wants. She can run. She's going to run 47 run seconds. Was it 20, she's run 21.6 or 21.5, oh. something like that. She's unbelievable. She's um, incredible. But like, I... I I think she's going to run 47 seconds. Myself and Lance have a little talk about it every now and again. When's it going to happen? <laughs> how's, she feel, how's she feeling? And I'm just a fan. Like I'm a, As a fan of the sport, Like I love watching that girl run. This is it. And I, I still feel like that at training sometimes where I'm like, wow, that might be a dangerous sort of headspace to get into because I, I, I want to put myself at a level with, with my group. You know, I'm in the group. There's a reason I got accepted into it. So Lance must see something in me that he sees in the other people in the group. I mean, I'm not saying I'm Sean A, but what I mean is I, I shouldn't, necessarily look at the whole group and idolize them and I, I i think this year much more than last year i feel more on a level with people i can i can cope with the training and i can stick it in there with them um but i'm still kind of in awe of a, a lot of what they can do i want to go back to your bobsled time because yes, let's what made you think that was a good idea <laughs> well so british bobsled i went to a boarding school in somerset called millfield um for sixth form um, I applied for a scholarship for sixth form because I wanted to sort of take my athletics more seriously. My coaches in Stoke had full-time jobs, couldn't coach me any more than they were. So I was like, right, I want to train more. Let's try and do this. Um, I got it. And so about a month into my my lower sixth year at Millfield, British bobsleigh turned up and it's a sporting school. So they kind of were, were going around the sporty schools, um, scouting athletes for the youth winter Olympics, the first one. And they showed us a video of bobsleigh crashes. Was this a bit like Cool Runnings? It was exactly <laughs> like Cool Runnings. They kind of came in. They said, you guys have seen Cool Runnings, right? We all nodded. Yeah, 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 cool. Um, have you seen many bobsleigh crashes? Not that many, right? Here's a video. Do you fancy it? That's kind of how it went. Sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of went, that looks really fun. I've seen the film. I'm fast-ish, powerful-ish. Let's have a go. The, um, the trials for it at that time were standing long jump, standing 30 meter sprint and flying 30. And I think they're similar now. And that was what I was doing already. I was already doing those. And those were my kind of strongest, strongest things. Get past 30 and I start to slow down because I normally take off. Um, and I just thought, well, this sounds fun. And they were promising that we'd get time off school because we had to go in term time to go to Austria, Germany to train. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, sign me up. I just got here, but I'm off. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> athletics coaches that had just signed me up for an athletic scholarship were like, are you serious? I was like, absolutely, I'll see you in three weeks. Um, and I made the team and we spent probably half the winter, maybe a little bit more out on ice. Do you think being out on the ice has made you a stronger athlete? I know like the multi-events and stuff will have done massively 
jumping in the sand is tough on your body, but like actually running on ice, do you think that made you like Definitely. a person? And it's not just that because you only end up doing two or three minutes of bobsleigh a day when you're on circuit because it's expensive to do runs. Um, there's so many people at the track that you can't get down. I mean, the track's like a mile. So you do one run takes about a minute. So you end up getting max four runs a day. Um, and the rest of the time, bobsleigh isn't a sport that has a lot of money. So you don't have anybody to help you with things. So you move your 170 kilo sled. I assume there's like a- No. Like Formula One. (laughs) No, you are the mechanic. You are the removal people. You do everything. So we're 16 year old girls. Yeah. But we have coaches, but that's, you know, that's kind of the extent of it. Um, We were 16 year old girls lifting these 150, 60, 70 kilo sleds. So yeah, it made us stronger. It made us a lot. Effect then, wasn't it? Yeah. Put your weights away kind of thing in the gym. Yeah, we, I mean, we would do it. The training was really similar, way more similar than people expect, I think, for long jump, because you're, what you're training for, the only, the physical bit is the start, which is you push and you sprint for 30, 35 meters, then you jump in. You just let the weight in That's long jump. Of- sprint for 35 meters and jump in. Yeah, you're on ice. Yeah, you're pushing a big, heavy sled. But the sort of training effect is so, so similar. Um, that after my second year of bobsleigh, I came out and jumped a 60 centimeter long jump PB. I dropped the weight that I'd gained because they want you to gain weight. Yeah. Um, every single time we get to the bottom of the, um, of the track, they, you load the bobsleigh onto the scales, you get in the bobsleigh and they weigh the whole thing. If it's too light, they send you to McDonald's. That was how it was then. Not now. I think it's Sign a little bit more. <laughs> that was, I mean, we were sort of 16, 17. Um, and that's genuinely what we used to do. We that's, just, they just load us up in the van. learning curve for you guys then, like, taking it upon yourself to do most things like that must have set you up further down the line to massively like, because you figure you out insight. yeah you figure out you want to look how to look after your body when you when you're walking up and down the mountain to um to get coaching on the, on every corner there's a coach on every corner um or like on key corners that tell you how you drove the corner if you're a driver and so you have to when you get to the bottom you have to walk back up um and then you shift the sled and things when you get back to the top as it's been carried up on a lorry um and so you really, really learn how to do things for yourself. And yeah, okay, a lot of it is specific bobsleigh things, how to change your runners, how to clean your runners, how to align your sled. But a lot of it's kind of a mentality where you go, okay, I know how to take control of my own sports career. And we were learning that at 16, which I think was a really great preparation for, you know, that was a youth Olympics for going to a senior Olympic games six years later. Uh, how does it, later. Uh, what's the camaraderie like in? so good because you need everybody yeah and bob's like you know i talk about 16 year old girls looking around these sleds we couldn't do it all the time on our own if the austrians or the dutch were right there they'd help you because they're going to need help in 20 minutes time mm-hmm. um so bobsleigh is a super super friendly sport or at least it was when i was in it. you know it's been years now but i'm i'm pretty sure it's the same where people will help each other out because they don't have these big support teams they know that um they're going to need help at some point and they know how difficult it is um, to sort of get around the world with these massive sleds, how expensive it can be. If if someone crashes and you see that they've damaged their sled, everybody kind of hurts for them. Mm-hmm. There was one crash that I saw. There was, um, we were in Lake Placid, it's at North New York State, and they have cameras, monitors on every corner. And we, we saw one corner where they crashed. Um, and it was a two man, there was two, two men in the sled. We saw the crash happen. And then the monitor for the next corner wasn't working. So there was, there was nothing. The next corner, all you see is the front of a the sled. Then you see a person, then you see the back of a the sled, then you see another person and it completely split at the articulation. Um, did you go down after that? 
Yeah. Yeah, just fine. Yeah. yeah. The only yeah. time we didn't go down after is when Sarita Schoen broke her back in Winterberg. And I was already in my sled waiting to go next. Um, and she had to get airlifted out of it. But I've never, that's the only bad crash I've ever seen. Oh, wow. See, so I'm terrible. Like when you had your little injury recently, not a little injury recently, <laughs> I was like, you all right? Cool. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't want to know. <laughs> like I've got my session today. Uh, uh, people ruptured their Achilles in my sessions before. And I was like, that's my session done. I'm not running out. I can't, I can't look at it. I'm just going to go and massage it all day. Oh no, I can't watch those things. People post videos yeah. of it. I can't. So you go down on a sled <laughs> after yeah, you, a crash. That's the first thing they get you to do. Because they're like, look, if you if you get scared of it, yeah. then this is going to wreck you. You just have to you go. You can do pole vault yeah. then. You're fine. Yeah, pole that's why I think, yeah. I think I should have. Yeah, I, think I, like, I think I could. You snap a pole and it's like, right, okay, you've still got two more attempts. Got to go again. Go again. Yeah. Otherwise you'd be scared of forever. Away. Yeah. When you talk about bobsled and you talk about camaraderie, how does that compare to say elite long women's long jump at the moment? Do you have like any, is it friendly out there? Is it, is everyone out to kill each other or what is it like that? I think long jump's really friendly. Um, I think getting onto the sort of senior elite circuit was much friendlier than I anticipated it being. Um, some people very much keep themselves and take themselves off during the competition to sort of be in their own space. But a lot of people they're more than happy to chat. People are supportive of each other. If you haven't got a coach there, people will help you find your mark on the board. I've never really seen any nastiness in women's long jump. No, it's just, it's not really been like that. I, especially when I, I've watched it on TV before I kind of got involved and you see sort of people's mean faces on the runway, you think, God, oh, you're going to be vile. Yeah. They're just not. People, yeah. are, people are nice. And I think that's, there's something similar in elite sport. Everyone gets it. You all know what, we've all been doing the same stuff. Um, and we all know it's hard. And I think everyone, yeah, you want you to do better than anybody else. But you, if you see the same people on the circuit week in, week out, you sort of end up being friends with them. And especially with a field event where I get, it's different in racing, but I think Daniel know what I mean. You're out there for like over an hour. An hour and a half, yeah. yeah you, you're hanging out effectively. And I can't keep that sort of angry competition switched onness for an hour and a half. I will be drained. I was running a hundred. I probably could because you, you know, you're in the call room. Wait, twenty minutes? Is it for? Is it twenty minute call? For... Uh, normally, it depends on the meet. Right. So say like minimum say half an hour minutes. for championships. Yeah, it's never going to be forty five minutes where you need to be like. To be honest, I'm the opposite. I think talked about it before. Like I'm the opposite. I go through call room having a laugh and chatting to everyone and talking to the officials. As soon as I get to my blocks, that's when I'm like. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. I get two people out from my actual jump. So when there's two people in front of me. Um, get ready, I get ready and I'm like right don't talk to me anymore as a fellow field eventer do you how important do you keep track of the comp um, so, do you know like yeah I know what you mean if someone I, goes close to seven metres two, two jumps out does that then affect I know it shouldn't do but sometimes like, I find it useful like, because yeah. I think if, if the comp starts and everyone's jumping well there's something in your head that goes cool it's, we're jumping well today and I think there's a real element of if if the first five jumps are not that good, you kind of sort of get in your own head. You're like, oh, that's where we're at today. This is going to be a sort of a, and that's dangerous. It's not good. It's really helpful when people are jumping well, because you kind of, you raise your game just in response to it. So I think sometimes it'd probably be useful to ignore it, um, but you can't always, because often they'll announce it. You can hear it. Yeah, you know, you're standing, like, yeah. Oh God. You can be standing like, on the nah. runway and they're talking about how good the jump was before you. And you can't not hear that. Like when you're running, you can, you can block it out, yeah. but it's impossible. It's very it? loud. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah. Unless, unless like the only time 
I can remember my competitor going big in London 2012. That was the only time I didn't really know what the like the distance was because you couldn't really hear the announcer. Yeah. And because you're that far away and obviously all the crowd and stuff. But yeah, it's it's really interesting to know that because it's quite hard. Like when someone throws far or jumps really big just before you, it, the the tendency then is to not go right. It's my turn now. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go and smash it, and and that's like it's just completely switch off and be like, right, okay, just focus on myself, do what I I've got to do. Some and- competitions require different things because sometimes I really have to get in that mindset where it's like, right, well, I'm not letting them beat me, and I need to know that they've just gone far, and it's time for me to step it up. So British champs last year, um, I was in third. I had the standard for Europeans, but I needed to be in the top two um, to guarantee myself a spot, and so I was. I think it was round five and I was outside the top two and I knew I was going to need a PB to get in there. But I needed that. Um, I needed to know that, I think, to get myself in the right headspace to do it mm-hmm. because otherwise I go, well, I've had a really good series and I've jumped really well and I've got close to my PB, but I needed a bigger one. And I think if I hadn't known that people were already ahead of me, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that push. Uh, yeah, I was going to say about women's British long jump at the moment. is oh, it's it's brilliant. It's so good. From where it's been a couple of years ago to where it is now, it's incredible. Like we've got people jumping six fifty plus all the way through from I don't know under twenty, yeah, from under twenty, um, and not just one or two. You know, there's there's loads. I think we'll have a really hot contest for the world's Amphit Olympics next year because there's just so many people that can jump well. Um, but it raises the game of everybody because you start to go, well, I'm not going to let her beat me, or if she can jump that far, then obviously I can jump that far. Um, and it, it does, it creates this great environment where we have, you can go to any championship and we could and probably should be winning a medal um, at any championship we go to because our women's long jump is so strong. It does mean it makes it harder to make the team, obviously, which sometimes I look and I'm like, I've got that Jamaican passport, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> My dad, any time that I've not made a team, my dad's kind of, I could like, see him being yeah. like, just you know, you could compete for Jamaica. <laughs> Look what's on the coffee table, Jess. <laughs> but no, it's a good thing. It, it, it forces the the, st- the quality up. You, you have to be good. You have to be world-class if you want to make the team. Mm-hmm. And uh, that fits nicely into the philosophy of the training group yeah. that I'm in now. Because it's like, well, don't get excited about the fact that you, you're having to push that far to make the team because I'm expecting you to be in the top three anyway. Yeah, it's kind of nice as well because like obviously all those Americans go like our trials are so much harder than yours whereas the women's long jump is actually really hard to make as well so it's you're really kind of okay men's yeah. 100 Matt's kind of alright at the moment it's kind of easy for him so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's not quite US trials well it's not US trials it's but that's so. like, yeah, it's, it's just a different bag isn't it even their 100 you like NCAAs was one with what three guys going sub 10 it's wild it's, yeah, it's like you know I mean that's college <laughs> college um, and so I like I mean this to sound creepy in any way but I googled you last night and the second the second search was Jasmine's yeah Jasmine Sawyer's hair was the second top research was it? now you're sporting a bit of a shorter look with, yeah I shaved my blonde. head yeah and then, cool. and then bleached it um, people keep asking me what inspired it and laziness inspired it uh, in the off season I had braids and they take so long to take out and I already sat through putting them in. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it. I said to my mum, I was like, I think we should shave it off. She said, I don't think you should, no. So I took the one front and centre of my forehead, snipped it with a pair of scissors and went, well, we have to now. 
and that was it there was no deeper meaning behind it i just thought it might be interesting and easy mm-hmm. um shower time's quick isn't it shower like, time's quick i'm aerodynamic did you ever think about the blessing Akbar? kind like, of stick a wig on stick a wig on i have considered that why well, that's what i thought if i don't like it i'll just wear a wig so you know it, could if, definitely do you know when it fell off do they measure it from from the wig the wig yeah they have Did to they? yeah it's the no furthest <laughs> <laughs> it's the mark that you make furthest back in the sand that's the rules really imagine if it fell yeah, off they, like two meters they measured it from the wig yeah. and she just took it off and put it straight back okay. on her head that's everyone just, was uh, losing their mind it was amazing um, oh yeah she she was ballsy she was like meh just carrying yeah. on with my day yeah. don't right. care that I'm in a, a packed stadium I loved it in Norway but no it's great having a shaved head is no, it's, cool. it's cool have you got any like because I, I my my favourite jazz haircut apart from this one now is 2014 long jump Commonwealth Games what did I have for you had like little round balls oh yeah you used to have my little, little, po- little, little pigtail little kind puffs. of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, oh, the, the red and white one. Little, um, bit, bit Princess Leia like yeah yeah one of the ones it'll grow back my dad keeps asking me when I'm going to grow my hair back I don't think my dad likes it mum loves it have you got any are you going to like look into future styles so if you grow it back and you go for something yeah cool. I think it'll take a long time though because before when before I cut it I hadn't cut my hair in eight years and it took a long oh. time to get that long so I mean we're going to do the sort of egg we'll look do, for a little while is we'll do a pod in eight years time and we'll <laughs> take a picture of you now <laughs> Hopefully we'll be a few thousand deep by then. <laughs> and then we'll come back in eight years. Dan had some questionable barnets back yeah. in the day. Oh, so really? I'm quite happy with Dan's hair now. Yeah. Not that it, it really is my choice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe You're more. quite happy with it. You're yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very glad. I think it's done really well. I think yeah. it's grown the beard a bit. It's a handsome man. Oh, thanks for making me blush now. Nah, like some of my friends have, have been on the, the bad bad side of receding hairlines so oh, I'm quite no, you're well. you've got a full head of hair yeah. like done all right there. yeah we've done done well I think that's just one thing yeah. I think I'm pretty proud proud of that good. my family's and um, heritage has given me a good head of hair the hair's been a <laughs> the hair's been a funny topic you know because some people I, I saw comments and some people would comment on my thing where I'd have a comp where I didn't jump so well so indoors this year maybe you should be focusing more on your long jump than your haircut I mean, everyone gets haircuts. So I, d- I didn't spend much time focusing on my haircut. I just cut my hair. You literally made it easier for yourself. Well, exactly. And they go, well, so maybe focus more on your- <laughs> Maybe if you spent more time in training rather than preening your hair, which let me just, this does not need preening. It's done. Yeah, it's done. Shave the head, bleach it, it's done. Um, then uh, yeah, yeah, you'd actually no jump further. To, uh... you, I think you'd jump a lot further if you just didn't focus so much on what you look like. Mm. I, I, people just want to moan, don't they? Yeah, of course. I think people it's just, said earlier, it's just like you're breathing the wrong way. Yeah, you've got to yeah. change it. Yeah, sort it you're out. Not breathing you're off. You're a world class performance plan athlete. You must breathe in a certain way. <laughs> there should be world class performance plan approved haircuts, maybe, and then everybody would. Yeah. There you go. We'll have a bowler Lego haircut. Oh yeah, get this. <laughs> get the number Perfect. two clippers out. Um, so I think maybe to wrap up, I was thinking that. It'd be quite nice to know what Jasmine would say to her former younger self and what whether you've got any words of wisdom, any motivation, just for our younger listeners out there that would benefit from your journey, where you've been, and what you could tell yourself if you could back um, when you were first starting out in your career. Yeah, I would say don't 
be afraid to keep doing all the things that you're doing at an early stage. Um, I've just finished reading Range by David Epstein, which is great. And it kind of is the counter to the 10,000 hours. It's more like spread yourself, not thin, but keep doing other things because people who are right at the top of their game most of the time have been doing other things during that. Examples of Federer and stuff like that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And I think for me, that's, it's been true and it continues to be true. You know, I did heptathlon at that time. I was still playing netball at school. Um, I was doing a little bit of theater, musical theater, um, was singing at school, then moved on to bobsleigh. A few things dropped off, but I mean, bobsleigh and athletics aren't the same. Um, even if the training is, it, it keeps things really varied. Um, I know a lot of athletes do go to uni, but don't be afraid to go to uni and study and study hard because having- Studying hard, wait a second, you did, was it law? Law, yeah. Yeah, that's not easy, is it? It wasn't easy. Definitely, I mean, it wasn't easy, but I definitely kind of blagged it as much as I physically could. I did get the 2-1, but I got the 2-1 by getting 59.5 rounded up. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Exactly. That, that was, to me, maximum efficiency. Yeah. I have mates that were in the library, like three extra hours a day to me, but what did they get? 68. Sorry, we've got the same degree. Is that, yeah, on paper, <laughs> we have the same degree. This is it. Yeah, maximize your efficiency. That's one piece of advice. Um <laughs> Take home message. But keep doing things because I think it's benefited me as an athlete and as a person to have kept things varied. You know, even now I do the music, I make my pins. You can buy them on soyestudio.bigcartel.com. Little long jump pins if you want them. If you would like other athletes, let us know because we've got some other athlete pins in the works. Um, It's nice to have other things going on. It makes you a complete person. It means that if something ever went wrong with your career, you wouldn't suddenly find yourself at a complete loss because you don't know who you are. you have to be a person outside of athletics. It's so, so, so important. And having, being a bit multifaceted, personally, I believe, will benefit your performance. It'll make you happy, it'll make you more rounded, it'll give you different perspectives on things that you wouldn't have considered if you got this one track mind and you're constantly thinking about jumping in sand. See, I'm not adding anything to no, that, that's cool. Absolutely nailed it, Jazz. <laughs> that's Thanks, the guys. best bit, I feel motivated to go and train now. Yeah, but Jazz, that was awesome. Um, thank you very much. So, yeah, I think uh, once again, it's great to have a guest on who knows what they're talking about. And uh, I feel like there's still more stuff that we can talk about. So it'd be great if we could get you on again. Hey, I'm, I'm always around. Well, not always, half time in Florida, but Florida, when I'm yeah, around. Yeah. When you're around, we'll grab you again. I love this big chair, so I'll be back. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Wow, what a great podcast with Jazz. Oh, that was, uh, that was special. I enjoyed that. Yeah, like we really hope that you enjoyed her insight. I, I know that we both definitely did. Um, it's incredible to hear her stories, her work ethic. Um, just, uh, just the background. Like she's come from. Um, she she made conscious deci- decisions to be to push herself. Like she's not someone who's been scared to put herself in a hard situation. Like moving uh, from doing gymnastics is very tough, but then to move to athletics and then move to Millfield and then to do bobsled and then to go to university and do a proper degree. Um, now to move to Florida, she seems someone who's just, she's unafraid. Yeah, she's got that, not, not hasn't got that fear factor and she's just willing to test herself at every opportunity. And I think obviously that's what she's obviously reached the Olympic level in a long jump. Um, but yeah, hopefully like you found it really insightful. Um, please like, subscribe to our iTunes and Spotify. Um, it's available on wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, and just a slight public service announcement. I uh, I did apologies to Adam Jamili. Um, 
I said last time in our um, guest interview with Harry AA and that would take his picture down in the high pack because he was scaring everyone. That is not the case. It was primarily because he's not here. Um, but <laughs> don't worry, Adam, we'll, we'll leave it up because I we know you listen to up. the pod. I think we should keep it up. You can take down one of mine, but not both. No. So that was that. Um, so thanks a lot for listening, guys. Again, please um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Martin Rooney. At Discus Dan. And yeah, please like, subscribe, and we really hope you enjoy the podcast.